Hey everybody, and welcome to Rabbit's Ramblings Podcast 53. I talk a bit about the Legend of Grimrock. I talk a little bit about the Guild Wars 2 first beta weekend for people who pre-purchased. And I'm not totally sure about what else I will talk about, so I'm not going to say anything else because I might change my mind. So there. Enjoy the show! So I've gotten a few more hours into the Legend of Grimrock. As I expected, I would highly recommend it to anyone who has played through the older dungeon-style games and is, you know, looking to relive that sort of thrill. It's actually a really awesome sort of re-envisioning of what that would be because there's a lot of sort of little details, I guess you could say, about those old-school games that I'd kind of forgotten. Things like the magic light as a different color range than natural light. I had actually forgotten that. And I always preferred, you know, the natural lighting because the magical lighting threw things off a little bit. It's not a big deal. You know, if you run out of torches, you run out of torches. It's fine. But that's just one of those little details that I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. You can get a compass. And if you turn it on the hardest setting, there is, I think, an option to turn off the map so that you can't use the map at all. I would actually not recommend that because that's like super, super, super hardcore old school. I actually do remember when I was little, I used to make maps and, you know, friends would check them out or copy them or whatever if we were playing the same game but I think current day times that's probably sort of a lost art and probably not really necessary one tip I would suggest to you is that you can click on the map page and put a note and it'll put a little n and then when you mouse over it it'll put whatever your note was and I personally like always mark where the stones are so I I can remember that the stones will revive any dead party members and recover you back to full hit points and you know natural condition you know remove poisons and whatnot so it's kind of important to remember where those are if you lose a party member as far as i know there is no resurrection scrolls or spells so if you lose a party member you can be down pretty hard for a while so that's kind of important to remember they do get tapped and then they they don't recharge for a little while but it's not too long i would say it's maybe five or ten minutes so it's not a huge deal. Also, it has a very old school feel in that all of the puzzles are sort of self-contained. You don't have to run around the map and carry stuff around, you know, through half the level to, you know, get part A, B, and C to figure it out. Pretty much, if there is a puzzle, whatever you need to solve it is going to be right there within those squares right around the puzzle. So there's not too much stress in that regard. There are a few hint scrolls that might be a little bit further away. Usually they're, you know, kind of on the way to the puzzle, so you might not get it right away. But if you save it, you can look at it later and go, oh, this could be for this puzzle. Also, there's lots of little buttons and triggers that you need to check. And you can find, you know, secrets or secret passages that go places. Maybe find a secret stash of stuff. It is not randomized. It's all fixed. So I don't know how critical it is that you find everything or you know, how much you'll want to play through it after you finish it that first time. I think there probably is enough there. You probably wouldn't, you know, remember every little detail a second playthrough. But, you know, most of the bigger, more important puzzles are things that you're going to be like, oh yeah, I remember this. Or, you know, oh yeah, I, I didn't figure out the pattern for this the first time. I had to look it up. I'm going to have to look it up again. So that's kind of 
a disappointment because in in that sense it doesn't have a lot of replayability. Combat is pretty cool. I think it is not quite old school in that old school you used to run into a monster and then you would have to fight it until you win or you die. Not a lot of games allowed you to sort of run away and do what is sort of a, a tactic I've come to use quite a bit in the game, which is you sort of um, pull a monster to a doorway, I guess you could say, and then you fight for one round and then close the door real quick and then wait for all your stuff to recharge and then open up the door and then fight him again and then close the door again real quick. I've had to do that a disturbingly high amount of times. It doesn't really ruin the experience. I mean, it's just part of the old school style. Also, there are some sort of attack patterns. Like if you're trapped in a hallway and you can only go forwards or backwards, that might be okay for some bad guys. You know, you hit them and then quickly back away so they can't hit you while your stuff recharges. Or, you know, you hit them at range. But sometimes, you know, the best strategy is to just avoid the monster. And if you can get into a bigger room, you can just hit him and hit him and turn and dodge and hit him. And basically, they never get to attack you. So it kind of feels like a little bit of cheating because that and the doorway strategy pretty much are your two main strategies. But I don't know. It could change deeper in the dungeon. I am to dungeon level 9. And I've just now found some critters that are starting to be a little bit different in their pattern. Like one guy I found, he kind of charges, so you can't really be on a straight path. And then I just found some bugs that move really, really fast. So even if you try and dodge and back away, they'll pretty much chase you down and always be right on top of you. So I'm hoping there are more monsters that kind of, you know, defeat the patterns of the doorway or the dodging around. It is still very fun. I like it a lot, and as I said, I would highly recommend it to anybody who played the older dungeon crawl styles and have been missing it, or, you know, who maybe, you know, say are a child of someone who did, and, you know, their parents told them about it back in my day, and you want to check it out, um, definitely do that, because it is very cool. I wouldn't really be able to give it a final score, but I would say it's probably maybe 85% or 4 stars. And in any case, I would, you know, like I said, highly recommend it, especially at 15 bucks. It's, um, you know, cheaper cost, not a huge amount of replay because it is a fixed, you know, dungeon. It's not going to change, but it does have the potential for, you know, extra content added on. You just say, I want to play this other dungeon instead of this one or, you know, user generated content. So it could have uh, a good lifespan. I don't know. Definitely worth the 15 bucks, though. And uh, even more so if you're paying less because you live in the future. This is being recorded in a later recording session, but I have finished The Legend of Grimrock. None of my original opinions have really changed about the game. Even though it was, you know, a single dungeon dungeon game, the tile sets did seem to not change very much. I think there was only three tile sets, as it were. And there was maybe, it felt like about half a dozen bad guys. There might have been more. And it probably took me about 15 hours to complete the game. There were a few puzzles that were really super hard and I had to look up the answer online. Mostly because I had either missed a clue or, you know, I wasn't sure about something and I had to double check and verify. Like one puzzle required you to have four things. And I'm like, no, please tell me I don't have to have this one thing because I don't have any of that one thing. I threw them all away. 
And so I checked online, and, you know, that was the case. I'm like, oh, great, now I'm going to have to go back who knows how many levels to try and find that. Turned out it wasn't so bad. It was only about 10 minutes of backtracking. But, you know, things like that are, like, you know, kind of odd, I guess I could say, because all of the other puzzles in the entire game were basically like, you know, you have this puzzle, and everything you need to complete the puzzle is right in the immediate vicinity. But that one, it's like if you don't happen to have the items you need, you're going to have to, you know, go back and look around and find them. And, you know, like I said, I had thrown away that item. And so I had to go back like two, two floor levels back to try and find some, I think. The end thing, I won't spoil it at all, is a pain in the butt. Because it's, it's kind of strange because all of the monsters fight you kind of in a similar style. And then all of the puzzles, like I said, are, are pretty much, you know, thought-type challenges. And they, they're they right, you know, there when you get to them. And if it is, you know, a complex logic puzzle, it does have, you know, a hint scroll usually pretty close. But the final thing is like, oh my god, it, it is like so much harder. It's like ridiculous how much harder it is. Granted, you know, the next time I play through it will be a lot easier. But I think I probably spent a good hour, hour and a half doing that final thing. And it's like, oh my god, I could complete, you know, entire levels in this time. And I'm just doing this one thing over and over and over because I keep getting killed in really stupid and annoying ways. So the end thing is kind of disappointing. I think they should, you know, tone it down or tweak it. So it is more along the lines of the difficulty of the rest of the game. But overall, it's still a really good game. It does retain its old school feel in that when you're finished, it just kind of goes, game over. And then, you know, if you want to keep playing, you have to start an entirely new game. Which is, you know, good and bad. I mean, it's kind of designed as a self-contained thing. So there's really no reason to, you know, be able to carry your characters over into, you know, a different dungeon or, you know, restart with your characters at their progress level. So it's kind of not a big deal. And, you know, like I said, it's it's pretty cheap, and it's pretty quick, and it's pretty fun, so it all kind of balances out. One other tip I think I would suggest is be very, very, very careful about planning how you want to, you know, spec out your talents, as it were. Each character class has a bunch of talent lines they can build up, and each talent line, I think, goes to about 25 points deep. Now, you only get four talent up points per level and I think I ended around level 12 so you should basically plan to you know spend about 40 talent points which means you can only go about two full trees deep um, you know not quite all the way so you have to be you know very very careful if you want to be super efficient at that I had my guys doing about three lines which worked out pretty good but, you know, two lines were fairly deep, and one was maybe half as deep as the other two lines. But it's like I was missing a lot of really powerful stuff because I was expecting they'd be, you know, higher level by the time I finished. So it's like I was doing pretty much basic level attacks on, you know, the higher level stuff. And it's like it probably would have gone a lot easier if I would have focused on, you know, one line heavily and then maybe a second line, you know, two-thirds as heavily. Instead of having, you know, three different talent lines with a dabbling and a fourth. So I would say, you know, to maximize your awesomeness in the game, you'll want to do that. 
If you are an experienced player, you might also just want to go ahead and start your own party instead of going with the default party. Especially once you've sort of gotten a feel for the basic style of play. Because magic to me seems really powerful and cool, but it's got this multiple click system that's kind of a pain in the butt. What you do is you click the guy to, you know, start the cast, and then it's got this grid of nine runes. And an easy spell will have one rune, but I saw scrolls that were upwards to four different runes. So you have to go click, 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 cast, and then it only does it for that one time. So every single time you want to cast something, you have to go through that multiple click of runes. Whereas everybody else's melee, you just right click their weapon and they swing. And this is click, 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 pretty much, for the easy spells. I say you got a four, a four rune thing, you got to click. That'd be six times because you have to open up the runes. And then that final click is the cast button. So that is an awful lot of clicking compared to just, you know, single click for melee. So if I play again, I don't think I'm going to take a caster. I think I'll probably take a second rogue or maybe try out a monk if they can hit from the back. I don't know. We'll see. But personally, I think once you unlock a spell, you know, maybe have those runes to unlock the spell. But once you unlock it, it should just be, you know, right click and then, you know, choose the spell you want to queue. And then, you know, from then on, it's just right clicking it will automatically cast that one spell. Granted, if you're, you know, trying to be awesome with your spell casting, you will want to cycle between a, a few different spells. So you probably don't want to repeat cast the same thing over and over. But through much of the dungeon, I basically just used his one primary attack spell over and over and over. And even though, you know, it was an easy spell in terms of runes, I was still having to click three times, you know, compared to everybody else in the group who was melee, you know, that just needed one click. So that's my only big major gripes, is the spell system probably could use some work. And the thing at the end, wow, that's I was almost ready just to stop playing for the day and just come back to it later, because that was just so much harder and dumb in comparison to, you know, how the rest of the game flowed in terms of, you know, pacing and all that. But still, a very awesome game. I would highly recommend it, like I said, you know, before to anyone who wants to play an old school style game. Or, you know, who did and maybe kind of misses that style. Definitely worth picking up. The first Guild Wars 2 beta weekend happened for those who have pre-ordered, and I only got about an hour and a half of time to play, because it just opened up around noon today, and then, you know, it's later in the afternoon and I'm recording. So maybe in my next recording session for, you know, next time I will have more to say. There are some issues with the beta, most notably, which probably will get a lot more complaints than uh, would be fair to do is that the beta is really kind of unoptimized, and so it's playing havoc with a lot of people's systems. A lot of people are getting pretty bad performance compared to what they expect. 
I was actually expecting not to get, you know, terribly awesome performance being on a laptop, but it runs pretty good. It it does well. I didn't have to turn anything down below. It's it's a slightly higher setting. It's not maximum. I think there's like four settings, and it's on the third setting at 1920 by 1080. And I'm uh, I'm doing pretty good. As I said, the frame rates are not awesome. It isn't optimized yet. I would guess I'm getting maybe 15 frames a second, which for a MMOG, it, you know, it does just fine. It's playable. Guild Wars 2 is a bit more action-y than the standard MMOG. So, you know, it is kind of hurtful, but I think it's probably, you know, okay for this test weekend since I'm not going to be very high level. There is also a ridiculous number of players around everywhere. So I didn't actually get to do a whole lot. I think I'm not even third level. It was very cool. I could, you know, run around and look at various things. And, you know, everything that I expected it to be, it was. There was, you know, a couple of event notices. There's this event going on over here. You might want to look at it. So I was like, ooh, I'll go check that out and see what that's about. And even though I did have a big arrow telling me, you know, this is your current quest. You want to go here. I did kind of deviate away from the arrow and just kind of look around at the scenery and Killed some centaurs. The Asurin and I think it's Silvari are not playable. So you only have Char, Human, and Norn, which is basically human. They're just larger sort of barbarian humans. So that was kind of depressing because I wanted to be Asurin, which are sort of a little magic tech-oriented race. So that was kind of disappointing. It's like, why isn't this in yet? I don't, I don't understand. They just showed it off at previous conventions. So there's... You know, no reason why it shouldn't be in. I am not as excited about it as I once was, and that's not due to the game's fault or anything. That just really has to do with a lot of my sort of reevaluating, you know, how and why I play games, particularly lately, with my being, you know, homeless and sort of limited in, in when and how I can play games. I am looking very heavily at games that, you know, have a high play value for single player, um, you know, online or offline, and also games, you know, which are online that I would play, you know, with my online friends. The X Guild that I have um, doesn't have a lot of people that are really interested in Guild Wars 2. I think there are maybe only half a dozen people, and they're all pretty much going to this sort of hardcore PvP playing guild. I mean, it's not raids, so you can't say raiding guild. But it's like, I could see myself doing some PvP, especially, you know, the world-based PvP, in that, you know, it's not just somebody trying to gank you. You know, it's sort of a, a team-based kind of thing. So I could see myself being sort of into that, but I don't think to the point of, you know, wanting to join a guild specifically for that. So I would basically be looking at the game pretty much as something I would play by myself, because... I don't know any other people who are interested in playing it. So it's kind of like, do I really want to get the game? I don't know. It really depends. There is still no set launch date. So, you know, who knows how many more beta events there will be until they launch. And who knows, you know, what's going to be going on in my life when that happens. It looks like there might be more people playing Diablo 3 online that I would be interested in playing co-op with that. I'm going to pick up Diablo 3 either way. But I'm typically not a sort of co-op Diablo player. But, you know, if a lot of my online friends that I'm playing with now want to pick it up and do that, 
then I would, you know, pick that up and be into that. And, you know, depending on when Guild Wars 2 comes out, I may or may not be interested in that because, you know, so far they haven't been interested in that at all. So, like I said, I'd be playing by myself. And it's like, you know, even though it is just the, the box fee, there isn't any monthly fees. It's like, is this really something I really, really want to play by myself? You know, basically as a single player game. I don't know. You know, it is sort of a mix between single player and MMO style. So there's certainly nothing wrong with that. But, you know, as I have said over the last few podcasts, something that is designed as a multiplayer, you know, environment really kind of needs to have that support of, you know, that group of people you regularly play with. Otherwise, it's just, I don't know, at at least for me, it doesn't seem as fun or as interesting. And I lose, you know, lose interest and um, desire to play pretty quickly. One of the other big hang-ups that I'm hoping is just something for the beta and they, they don't do this at launch is that there was, you know, a set number of servers and some of those servers were full. And in most games, that means, you know, you probably don't want to start there because it's going to be overly crowded. But in this case, it said full. And when I clicked on it, the the button to join that server was not lit. So you could not join at all. So that means, you know, of my half dozen guildies that wanted to play, of the other people, you know, who knows how many are in that guild that wanted to play, you know, this was like 15 minutes after the, the server had opened, it was full. So now, you know, who knows how many people of that group are not allowed to join their other friends. It could be, you know, later in the evening it will be not full. You know, it's just maybe a capacity issue. But not at all having the ability to join the server, you know, that your guild is supposed to be on or your group of friends or whatever really is going to hurt them. Apparently, it's not a huge deal to change servers later. You really need the ability for players to join, you know, their friends right off the bat, even without playing at the same time. You know, maybe somebody comes in and they play for an hour and then they log out. And then somebody comes in, you know, several hours later. It doesn't matter when those hours are you know, both of those players need to be able to go and join that same server. So, you know, when they are doing a group or a raid or whatever, they can hook up again. Another thing I don't understand that's kind of related to that is the game is supposed to be, you know, fairly heavily instanced in some areas. You know, if there are supposed to be too many people, it's supposed to spawn a copy and then people can move around, you know, between the instances So, you know, if you group up with some people, they can join, you know, your copy of that. But that didn't seem to be the case. When I went into one area, it said, this area is completely full. Would you like to go to the overload area? And I thought, how is this even possible? Why is it even asking me this? I thought the game was supposed to, you know, spawn copies of that as needed. But I guess it doesn't. So that seems really strange that the technology would limit people and say, no, server's full, you can't come in. No, this zone is full, you can't come in, you have to join this overflow area. And it seems really limiting to, you know, having people group up together easily and quickly, which is supposed to be, you know, one of the big draws for the game. The abilities did look pretty cool. In the hour and a half I played, I had unlocked all five skills, you know, three of them being my primary weapon that I had, which was, you know, a mace, and it was my starter mace. And then I got a torch, so I had that in my offhand. I'd unlocked all skills for those, so I don't have to worry about that. So unlocking the skills, you know, didn't seem like a big deal. When you change weapons, those skills will change, and you'll need to unlock them again. But, you know, like I said, if it took me an hour and a half, that's that's not a big deal to 
update the skills for a new weapon. I did get a couple of pieces of, I guess, okay loot. They didn't look thrilling, but they weren't for my class, so I couldn't use them. All I could do was sell them. So I didn't really get to check out any cool loot for me. But, you know, hopefully that's something that will, you know, come out pretty quickly. Like I said, I only played about an hour and a half, so that's really all of my thoughts for now. And maybe, um, you know, next podcast I'll have some more to talk about. So my friend Genesee has these live streams of her shows, and this last stream she did was for um, her podcast where she talks to developers and sort of, I guess you could say, enthusiasts in the gaming community. This last time was for the girls behind the Hold the Line and Retake Mass Effect 3 movement, as it were. And sort of a, a weird thing happened, I guess you could say. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't um, something I really kind of expected to happen. There's a chat room you can hang out in, and pretty much all the times before, I've been, you know, the only one hanging out in the chat room, or there's, you know, just one or two other people in there that I actually know. But this time, I guess a ton of people from their website came, and there was upwards to 50 people in the chat room. And so it was this big cool party, everybody was having a good time and, and having fun and everything. But the weird thing was that I sort of felt like, you know, an outsider, like I was at somebody's party. And, you know, I I didn't know anybody at the party because they were all talking and having a good time and they were, you know, referencing the various things that they know their friends are doing. And they were all, you know, pretty much people that knew each other. So like I said, it wasn't necessarily a bad time for me, but it definitely felt like, you know, one of those times you go to a party and you, you feel like an outsider and you feel like you don't belong, even though, you know, that was a place where pretty much I'm the only one all the time. And I guess this just kind of made me feel like this is probably something that happens to people, you know, when they join a new guild or they're in, you know, the guild voice chat and there's a bunch of people talking who know each other. You know, there's a lot of different balance between, you know, personalities and who knows who and which groups know, you know, which other groups and which group happens to be talking at the time. And I don't know, it just kind of made me feel, like I said, like an outsider and like I didn't belong because they were all, you know, chatting and knew each other and I was, you know, the guy who didn't know any of them. So, um, you know, the long story short of this section is just, you know, if somebody new does come into your guild or, you know, joins your community, you know, be that a vocal community or an online community or, you know, whatever kind of community, you might just want to make an extra effort to keep an eye on them. You know, like I said, there's different personalities of people who mesh well with other people and You know, I'm not saying be friendly and nice to everybody on the whole planet. But I'm saying maybe, you know, if there is somebody new to your community, you might just want to take, you know, that extra step and say, you know, say hi and introduce yourself. And maybe, you know, if there are some hobbies you guys share or some stuff, you know, they might be interested in, you know, go ahead and point them towards that. I know, you know, like like this last one, it's just something that might happen now and then. And it's not something that really you know, needs to be changed or is wrong in any way. But it did kind of make me feel, you know, extra lonely, I guess, and and extra outsider-ish. 
you know, like I didn't belong there. And that was kind of sad because, you know, it was a topic that I was interested in. But, you know, because I didn't I didn't know anybody, I felt, you know, a little weird about it. And I don't know, you know, that's that could just be me or, it, you know, it could be something that everybody feels. So if you happen to be, you know, a nice, friendly person and you are in such an environment, you know, maybe go ahead and, you know, be a little friendly to that new person. So that is it for this Rabbit Ramblings podcast. Ta-da! As the people with pro ears might be able to hear, my voice is still a little messed up and I might be talking a little bit differently. My tongue feels kind of swollen up and my throat, as I mentioned before, I think, you know, it's got the lymph nodes that are swollen. It feels like it's choking me. That's still going on quite a bit. I did go to the doctor and, you know, got some medicine and stuff, so I should be better soonish. I have an inhaler and there was some antibiotic stuff she gave me and she put me on this like machine that did a vapor and I inhaled that and it was kind of gross but it, it made me feel a lot better pretty quickly. I'm starting to sleep fairly regularly. There was I think one coughing fit last night and two the night before compared to you know several times where you know I couldn't basically sleep through the night at all for um, a couple weeks now I guess. So my sleeping is almost normal so that that will help. And although, you know, I sound very bad and there's like a lot of congestion in my lungs, I do think I am getting better pretty quickly and, you know, hopefully in a few days to a week, I might be back to my regular self. Oh, there's a ton of exhaustion still. I walk maybe 15 or 25 feet and then I am just, I am just wiped. I have to pause and take a break and I still just have like no energy to walk or exert myself at all, so... Hopefully that will come back pretty quickly as well. But that is it for this podcast. Um, I can't think of anything newsy to watch out for. And there's no games coming out really soon that I can think of. So I guess that is it for this time. And hopefully I will see everybody next time. Okay, thanks, bye. Take my love, take my land, take me where I cannot stand. I don't care, I'm still free, you can't take the sky from me. And my throat, you know, care. a few days to a week, I mean, I am just wiped, I have to pause and take a break and... <coughs> You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbitsramblings.html. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you friend me, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at Rabbit 
D-O-T-com. It's rabbit.com, but with not a period. When you type rabbit's ramblings, don't use the space. And be sure to put the number one in place of I whenever you type rabbit. Rabbit's Ramblings is copyright 2012 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.